When asked what landing on the moon was like, uh, Neil Armstrong said it was like Langley. In other words, they appreciate it because it, it really helped them to know how to land on the moon. Most of the training was done at night so that it simulated more what they would experience on the surface of the moon. There's always that sparkle, you know, that we have this link to Apollo. You're listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast featuring interviews and stories, tapping into project experiences in order to unravel lessons learned, identify best practices, and discover novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. We are only days away from the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11 and the accomplishment of humanity's long-time dream of walking on another celestial body. The prime mission objective of Apollo 11 was stated simply, perform a manned lunar landing and return. Today on the podcast, we'll get a closer look at a facility that helped prepare the Apollo astronauts for the successful moon landing. Our guest is Lisa Jones, the facility manager of the Landing and Impact Research Facility, formerly known as the Lunar Landing Research Facility at NASA's Langley Research Center. Lisa, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me. What was the Lunar Landing Research Facility's role in the success of Apollo? Well, the Lunar Lander Research Facility was used in training astronauts to land on the moon surface. They start about 150 feet up, and actually the facility is supported five-sixths away of the vehicle, mimicking 1-6G on the moon, and they picked a spot on the surface, the simulated surface below the gantry, and flew to that spot and trained that cycling. They also uh, used the facility to help with getting the astronauts to understand what it's going to feel like to walk on the moon. And what they did is they hung the astronauts sideways and walked on a surface that wasn't true vertical, but nine degrees off vertical, so that when you're perpendicular to it, it actually simulated 1-6-G along your spine. So they would, it, called, it was called the uh, Lunar Lander Gravity Simulator. So, <laughs> so anyway, they would walk on the backstop. I guess it was really the Lunar Gravity Simulator. Sorry, not Lunar Lander. Uh, gravity simulator. And so they would walk on the backstop. And when they would do that, it gave them the feel of how far they would go. If they jumped, how far they would go. Uh, Walter Cronkite actually was uh, at the facility and actually did that back in the day. And many of the people I think would know who he is. (laughs) But uh, basically, when they asked um, the astronauts what landing was like on the moon, they said it's like Langley. Uh, The only thing they probably could use more of is a little more dust on the surface. Quite the compliment. Could you give us a description of the facility? Well, it's a gantry, if you can imagine. uh, Something 240 feet tall, made out of steel, 400 feet long, and 265 feet wide at the base. So it looks like a bunch of A's put together, the letter A put together. And the bridge, this big crane moved along the length of the facility up to 30 feet per second and laterally 30 feet per second with a little trolley underneath and it supported this vehicle hanging down but it launched off the 150 foot level so you're up with a big crane on the top moving by control of the astronaut saying I'm going to fly in this direction and it tracked along with a big marionette looking device 
uh, and they would uh, launch for the 150 foot level, land on a surface below. Most of the training was done at night so that it simulated more what they would experience on the surface of the moon. And there was a bank of lights uh, at the end of the facility that gave a shadow at about three degree angles, so made a really elongated uh, shadows. So it kind of felt like they were there. And uh, they actually had to jettison because it only supported five, six the weight of the vehicle. They had to actually fly it and use uh, motors to actually jettison and, and move the vehicle around so that they could get to where they wanted to be on the surface, simulated surface of the moon on, on the ground. What are some of the key contributions of the facility? Well, the astronauts, the initial astronauts, were trained there to land in that last 150 feet to the surface of the moon. And that gave them confidence and training skills that they needed so they would know what it was like to land on the moon. So that's, that's a key element to me is like they needed to know what it's going to be like landing on the moon and how they could control their vehicle. That's one. Learning how to walk on the surface of the moon was the other. And then if you go into more current times, we can discuss that as well. Um, but I didn't know if that's where you wanted to go with this. Oh, yeah, I would like to hear some more about the current times, and we'll get to that. I do have a question about the Apollo astronauts. Did they seem to appreciate being able to use this structure to prepare for landing on the moon? When asked what landing on the moon was like, uh, Neil Armstrong said it was like Langley. In other words, they appreciate it because it, it really helped them to know how to land on the moon uh, and how to jettison their vehicle and, and move it around so they could land on the surface. So, uh that was a big compliment for us from Neil saying it was like Langley, training at Langley. Was there anything else from the Apollo astronauts that you recall? Uh, well, there was a lot of different uh, fun stories at the time. Um, they had a lot of fun in the facility because they were, um, I guess, cutting up and going on with each other. Uh, and when somebody make a faux pas, of course, it was all over the headsets and things like that. So it was uh, it was fun because it was you know it was a little safer than the actual thing they were going to be doing, uh, and they were able to somewhat enjoy it like an amusement park ride, I believe, a little bit. So without worrying about flipping it over and hurting somebody, <laughs> so I think they uh, enjoyed that aspect of it, and that was a fun time for them. That's a neat insight. What are some of the reactions from people when they tour the facility? They are amazed because they didn't know. A lot of people don't know that this large structure sits in Hampton, Virginia, and you drive by it, and people drive by it every day and don't know what it was used for originally or what it's currently being used for. So when people come on tours to the facility, they're just amazed by the fact that they, we have this right here, that the astronauts, the original astronauts came here and trained, and, and Neil and, and Buzz and all the crew were here and actually did a lot of work in the facility. And then they were also amazed that it was also converted to do other activities and it's been used for crash testing as well as uh, landing for current uh, projects like Orion. I want to want to hear more about that. So let's delve into that in the years since the Apollo program. How has the facility been used? Well, when Apollo ended, uh, they decided that there was a lot of stuff going on in industry and uh, people were doing quite well and buying airplanes and people who were not trained pilots from um, industry or from the military 
and they saw an increase in, in the number of accidents uh, in aviation, especially general aviation under 23 passengers. And so the NTSB, FAA, and NASA got together and said, okay, what's going on? Why are we having these crashes? And obviously the training of the people flying had something to do with it, but also people were dying in, in what we called survival accidents. So uh, the facility was converted to a full-scale crash test facility. And from there, uh, we also have gone back to doing landing for the different uh, space programs as well. So with the aircraft, with the current FAA regulations uh, were developed for crash worthiness using tests from the facility. And in the current um, work for the space program, the Orion and commercial crew, we are helping them develop their landing systems, whether it's into water or onto land. You mentioned Orion. Uh, is there a plan to use the facility for testing of new landers for Moon and Mars missions? The new Artemis program for going back to the Moon has first a set of unmanned landers, of which um, there is some work that we've been talking to the program offices about that are interested in providing the government-funded equipment that they may need to land these um, landers autonomously on the lunar surface. In other words, things like photogrammetric measurements uh, and cameras and LIDAR that allows them to see through the dust and be able to land safely. And then for obvious reasons, I believe that um, with this asset, you have that potential to be able to do perhaps uh, manned landing and training as well. You may, if you go back to doing where you have a piloted vehicle, definitely uh, have it man rated. If they decide to do autonomous landing, then you could also see that the facility could be used for that again. You'd have to redo some structure and actually be able to add back a higher capacity winch system. All that was taken down from Apollo days. Are there any takeaway lessons with a facility like this? This facility gives you a lot of ways to use it. And there's always a learning going on at the facility. And whether it's from the lunar days or from more recent times, it is amazing how many things we've learned over the years from doing testing in the facility. Uh, one of the big ones for me was when they were looking at airbag landings coming uh, back to land on the on surface rather than to water for Orion and for commercial crew. We had two competitors who had the airbags on the bottom and they did analysis and they said, oh, yay, our testing is laying right on top of the analysis at first. And then they started as we got faster speeds and started dropping it at higher rates and with horizontal velocities. They're going, whoa, 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 something's not right. Our analysis is saying this and, and the test is saying that. And basically what it, they learned is their analysis had a way of saying, okay, we have airbags and when those ports open, it's instantaneous. And the airbags in reality on the bottom of these vehicles took 10 milliseconds to open. In the process of that, the pressures in those bags increased quite a bit, especially at the higher rates and, and with horizontal velocities. And so both companies that were involved in that made the same mistake. You know, they're going, whoa, we didn't catch that, that, you know, we have this issue that there's a, a going to be a lag or a our model says it's going to be instantly open and, and the test says, no, it's not. And so that's the test of reality versus, you know, what a computer can do. So those kinds of things were happening all the time. And not to mention new ways of testing and new instrumentation and 
uh, new data systems that we can utilize in this facility and acquire data. And we're currently doing some stuff with Bungie Assist to get some velocities for some parachute extraction tests. And there's always new ways to use a facility. You have this big monkey bar set and you can do whatever you need with it to get the work done. Very fascinating. Uh, from a personal standpoint, what has it meant to you to be involved with this national historic landmark that contributed significantly to landing humans on the moon? It has been really a wonderful career. Um, I came to Langley for a job interview 30-something years ago, and um, the job that it was there for was nothing I was interested in. They took me on a drive-by of this facility, and they told me at the time they're doing crash dynamics with human survivability, which is still, you know, that still goes back to even Apollo days. Human survivability is was part of that safety issue, and I, it just hit home with me. I had graduated, and I thought for sure I was going to be working in wind tunnels, and instead they offered me a job in this facility with structures, and I've loved every minute of it. And then as we go year after year and we do tours for hundreds of people's open houses and all this for thousands of people uh, in my career that we have talked to, there's always that sparkle, you know, that we have this link to Apollo. And it's just a wonderful feeling to see those little faces light up and the big faces too. The grown people get excited too. You start talking about how it was used and that it's still being used and it's doing wonderful work to this day. So um, it, it's a pleasure to be in a facility that has that historic significance and it's still contributing. It's just, it, it makes you very proud of being a member of the team that works in that facility. I was six years old when Apollo happened and wow, um, we were living in Cleveland, Ohio. I remember watching the TV and it was just amazing. It was such an amazing thing and an adventure that we did this. It's amazing that we were able to do this and what people can do and succeed at doing when motivated and inspired. And that's what I hope the new program does. Um, it really, I see the spark in people's eyes now when we talk about moon and Mars and and landing on the moon and people getting excited about it. It's, it's that same adrenaline rush, I think, that Apollo had tons of, which I hope we see more of in the future. You'll find links to topics mentioned on the show today and more about the Apollo 50th anniversary celebration at apple.nasa.gov podcast, along with Lisa's bio and a show transcript. If you have suggestions for future interview topics, please let us know on Twitter at NASA Apple and use the hashtag small steps, giant leaps. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends and colleagues about it. Thanks for listening.